Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for War and Peace. Uh, what are we up to? Book 15, Chapter 5. Excuse me while I just change my settings here. What is your synthesis? 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 Of Kutuzov after reading this chapter. Include all thoughts. I don't think synthesis was the correct word. Additionally, include any other pertinent thoughts from this chapter. Kara Kikar says, I am mostly thinking about the last line of the chapter. To a lucky no man can be great, for a lucky has his own conception of greatness. I don't understand it at all. The assertion is self-contradictory and I want to know what he means by it. Is Tolstoy saying that the people, as he talked about for most of the chapter aren't swayed by the ideas of greatness that history puts forth, or is it that directed at the armchair quarterbacks who can only criticise after without having done any of the hard work? Any insight would be appreciated. Ripster 66 came to the rescue. I interpreted it to mean that lackeys have their own definition of greatness, which has nothing to do with historians' definition. I think he's saying that the people who lived it have more accurate ideas of what makes a great man. He's once again dissing the historians who, in Tolstoy's mind, get it all wrong. I could be wrong, though. It's not very clear. It's a pretty safe bet to say that Tolstoy was dissing historians. He does a heck of a lot of that in this book. FDLP1 says, All of a sudden, Kutuzov is out of the Tolstoy doghouse. Through the novel, I've appreciated his generally cautious patience and time approach, and it's good to see Tolstoy give him some credit. True. Kutuzov does kind of... I've, I've always thought Kutuzov kind of shines in this novel. I think he's cool, and I think he's a good leader. Chapter 6. Ready? Here we go. The 5th of November was the first day of what is called the Battle of Krasnoe. Towards evening, after much disputing... And many mistakes made by generals who did not go to their proper places and after adjutants had been sent about with counter orders when it had been become plain that the enemy was everywhere in flight and that there could and would be no battle kutuzov left krasnoe and went to dobrovary whither his headquarters had that day been transferred the day was clear and frosty kutuzov rode to dobrovary on his plump little white horse, followed by an enormous suite of discontented generals who, dis who whispered among themselves behind his back. All along the road, groups of French prisoners captured that day, there were 7,000 of them, were crowding to warm themselves at campfires. Near Dobrori, an immense crowd of tattered prisoners buzzing with talk and wrapped up in bandaged in anything they had been able to get hold of, were standing in the road beside a long row of unharnessed French guns. At the approach of the commander-in-chief, the buzz of talk ceased, and all eyes were fixed on Kutuzov, who, wearing a white cap with a red band and a padded overcoat that bulged on his round shoulders, moved slowly along the road on his white horse. One of the generals was reporting to, to him where the guns and prisoners had been captured. Kutuzov seemed preoccupied and did not listen to what the general was saying. He screwed up his eyes with a dissatisfied look as he gazed attentively and fixedly at these prisoners. Who's present, who presented a specially wretched appearance. Most of them were disfigured by frostbitten noses and cheeks, and nearly all had red, swollen, and festering eyes. One group of the French stood close to the road, and two of them, one of whom had his face covered with sores, 
were tearing a piece of raw flesh with their hands. There was something horrible and bestial in the fleeting glance they threw at the riders and in the malevolent expression with which, after a glance at Kutuzov the soldier, with the saws immediately turned away and went on with what he was doing. Kutuzov looked long and intently at those two soldiers. He puckered his face, screwed up his eyes and pensively swayed his head. At another spot he noticed a Russian soldier laughingly patting a Frenchman on the shoulder, saying something to him in a friendly manner, and Kutuzov with the same expression on his face again swayed his head. What were you saying, he asked the general, who continuing his report directed the commander-in-chief's attention to some standards captured from the French and standing in front of the Prozbrezkhansk regiment. Ah, the standards, said Kutuzov, evidently detaching himself with difficulty from the thoughts that preoccupied him. He looked about him absently. Thousands of eyes were looking at him from all sides, awaiting a word from him. He stopped in front of the Priobrazensk regiment, sighed deeply and closed his eyes. One of his suite beckoned to the soldiers carrying the standards to advance and surround the commander-in-chief with them. Kutuzov was silent for a few seconds and then submitting with evident reluctance to the duty imposed by his position, raised his head and began to speak. A throng of officers surrounded him. He looked attentively around at the circle of officers, recognizing several of them. I thank you all, he said, addressing the soldiers and then again the officers. In the stillness around him, his slowly uttered words were distinctly heard. I thank you all for your hard and faithful service. The victory is complete and Russia will not forget you. Honor to you forever. He paused and looked around. Lower its head, lower it, he said to a soldier who had accidentally lowered the French eagle he was holding before the president's standards. Lower, lower, that's it, hurrah, lads, he added, addressing the men with a rapid movement of his chin. Hurrah, roared the thousands of voices. While the soldiers were shouting, Kutuzov leaned forward in his saddle and bowed his head and his eye lit up with a mild and apparently ironic gleam. "'You see, brothers,' said he, when the shouts had ceased, and all at once his voice and the expression of his face changed. He was no longer the commander-in-chief speaking, but an ordinary old man who wanted to tell his comrades something very important. There was a stir among the throng of officers and in the ranks of the soldiers who moved that they might hear better what he was going to say. You see, brothers, I know it's hard for you, but it can't be helped. Bear up. It won't be for long now. We'll see our visitors off, and we'll, then we'll rest. The Tsar won't forget your service. It is hard for you, but still, you're at home while they... You see what they have come to, said he, pointing to the prisoners. Worse off than our poorest beggars. While they were strong, we didn't spare ourselves, but now we may even pity them. They are human beings too, isn't it so, lads? He looked around, and in the direct respectful wandering gaze fixed upon him he read sympathy with what he had said his face grew brighter and brighter with an old man's mild smile which drew the corners of his lips and eyes into a cluster of wrinkles he ceased speaking and bowed his head as if in perplexity but after all who asked them here serves them right the bloody bastards he cried suddenly lifting his head and flourishing his whip he rode off at a gallop for the first time during the whole campaign and left the broken ranks of the soldiers laughing joyfully and shouting hurrah. Kutuzov's words were hardly understood by the troops, but no one had, no one could have repeated the field marshal's address, begun solemnly and then changing into an old man's simple-hearted talk, but the hearty sincerity of that speech 
the feeling of majestic triumph combined with pity for the foe and consciousness of the justice of our cause, exactly expressed by the old man's good-natured expletives, was not merely understood, but lay in the soul of every soldier and found expression in their joyous and long-sustained shouts. Afterwards, when one of the generals addressed Kutuzov, asking whether he wished his Kalish to be sent for, Kutuzov, in answering unexpectedly, gave a sob, being evidently greatly moved. All right, there we go. Kutuzov, great man, apparently. After all. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.